A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. And this particular episode of the Four Center podcast feed is one of our deep dive episodes. We are going to deep dive into the past and the future of animated Star Wars. Really excited to discuss that. I am Joseph Scribshaw. I am Ken Absonk. Excited to sit down on a Saturday morning in my pajamas and talk about cartoons. Exactly. Cartoons, right? Uh, that's a lot. We're going to talk about that. Uh, those special memories of exactly when you watched animated things and how they made you feel and 
if that will be happening again in the future. But before we dive into our jammies and our cereal that has way too much sugar in it, uh, we want to tell you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Uh, This week, we are recommending A Test of Courage by Justina Ireland, a great High Republic book that we will be discussing on the podcast soon. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash forcecenter for your free audiobook. And Ken, we do have another ongoing announcement. That's right. Inside Editions, publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books, is offering 35% off across their website with a special four center code. To get your discount, enter the coupon code FC35 or visit the website with this link, insideeditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we're recommending the Inside Editions book, Star Wars, the poster collection. Check it out with that code FC35. And take a walk down that poster memory lane. That's right. Get flipping through those posters with uh, FC35. But right now we are going to flip the page to our main topic. There's plenty to discuss and we want to give ourselves some time. Uh, This topic of just discussing animated Star Wars in general came from a question we got from one of our Patreon users. Uh, This uh, listener put it in our general call that we have for uh, questions that we usually uh, tackle on the news and cues uh, show. Uh, but this one was, it just had so much to it that I realized it was a, it's kind of a way of looking at Star Wars as a whole that we haven't done before, Ken. So we're going to look at, like I said, the legacy of animation in Star Wars, the power of it, and the future. Uh, but before we do, I want to read the actual question from Kyle Barrett. Ken, are you ready? I'm ready. Excellent. Kyle says, As with many people born in the 1990s, my entry point to Star Wars was the prequels. I love them dearly, and the continuation of that story in The Clone Wars opened my eyes to the truly expansive nature of the franchise. The show was also my entry point into animation in general, my love of Star Wars introducing me to a new storytelling medium. While, quite honestly, I enjoy all of Star Wars, it's the animated realm that is truly dear to my heart. Resistance is great fun, and Rebels might be my all-time favorite piece of Star Wars content. So I was a little disappointed when at the Investor Day event uh, late last year, so much of the content revealed was live action. Don't get me wrong, I enjoy The Mandalorian, and I'm excited for all these upcoming programs, but animation is my jam. The Bad Batch looks amazing, and I'm intrigued by Visions, but the long-awaited Rebels sequel series seems to now be a live-action Ahsoka show. Ahsoka herself... Once the figurehead of animated Star Wars has made the leap to live action. After being such a prominent part of the franchise between the prequels and sequels, do you now think that animation is taking a back seat in the current Disney Plus plans? Uh, Are Disney making the content the audience wants, with animation sadly being seen as a lesser format in the eyes of the wider public? In short, what do you feel is the current place of animation in Star Wars and what do you think its place will be in the future? Uh, that is a great, I'm not even going to say question, Kyle. That is a great questions and a great topic. So we will get to all of those questions about the future. But in the first half of the podcast, um, we're going to tackle the past. Ken, do you have any uh, initial thoughts just from reading Kyle's uh, thoughts? I'm really excited to dive into this great collection of thoughts and questions, Kyle, because uh, it's, it is about entry points. Joseph and I being of that generation that did 
really just take a lot of joy out of cartoons. Saturday afternoon or Saturday morning and weekday after school cartoons. It helped foster a lot of love. And then where that went and also where we feel we couldn't go with that as, as quote, older fans is interesting and part of the discussion and uh, factors into now. There's also some, some great industry stuff we'll probably get to of how even the industry views animation. So I uh, love that. But it all begins in the past. That is right. So let's do a little bit of an overview, Ken. For you, what is the magic of animation in Star Wars? What can it add or do that live action can't? I think w- with the, and it's funny to say it in regards to like you know the Mandalorian and the volume might might be changing some of that for live action, but I think in animation you can go a little bit more wild with your ideas. Like you gotta, that's why I think George just loved rolling up his flannel sleeves and diving into the Clone Wars. Yeah, I want to. I would put Zillow Beast. We just you and I just covered that in Clone Wars report. That have been tough to do at certain times. Uh, in live action and maybe though now we're in a different spot with live action and and sometimes i put quotation around live action (laughs) computer action or uh, cgi and everything as it is now but so i i think that's one of the things i think you talk about the magic of animation star wars star wars is this wild crazy space fantasy and if you want uh hyperspace whales you got them (laughs) you want uh, a bendu you got them you want zillabies tearing up corset you got it and you can just do that a little bit easier in animation, which helps expand the story and expand the wilds of the galaxy. Yeah, I love what you're saying. I think it, you just kind of shared, I think, if we were writing an essay, the thesis statement of this podcast is some of the traditional ways that animation was of like an of course for a space fantasy like Star Wars, because you can do some things in animation that you can't. Uh, animation is not just a free budget. Some things are more expensive, but some things yeah. were just either in the history of Star Wars animation or Star Wars storytelling just plain couldn't be done or wouldn't be done because they were prohibitively uh, expensive for live action. And we're at that cusp of is that changing because of the volume, which makes you consider, you know, what what does animation still bring? I agree with you. I think it still brings what you're saying, even though the volume is amazing. You're going to get all these live action things with probably more and more uh, heightened budgets and possibility. But there's something about the style of animation and the expectation of animation that not everything has to be epic and you can or super high stakes. Right. And you can explore strange corners, uh, strange planets. You can kind of embrace uh, heightened realism of Star Wars, of like the characters are always going to be grounded in relatable emotions and morals and coming of age ideas, but you can just go wild. You can go bonkers with the heightened fantasy of the environments, the creatures, even, and I think this is one of the main things that can still add animation, the presentation of the characters themselves because it's so yeah. accepted in animation that different animation shows have a different style. So you can get the Clone Wars uh, Rebels, which I think is related to Clone Wars, but it is its own thing. So incredibly Macquarie based um, where the, the lightsabers are thin in Rebels because that's the style. And then you go to Resistance, which is just so sleek and bright and beautiful. And with the future animation, you just get more exploration, not just of like, what strange corners of the story can we get? What strange beasts and environments can we get that maybe we still can't get in live action? But 
just in this version of the story, what's Obi-Wan Kenobi going to look like? How are we going to capture the spirit of this character? You get variety there in animation in a way that you don't in live action. Mm. Yeah, yeah. What angles of Obi-Wan's face are we going to see? Yeah, no, but you're, you're, you're sure. And, and, and yeah, animation often has... Uh, Less of a budget, and and uh, that's why you know the old trick of you know same backgrounds and all that kind of stuff, and you got to save it up for uh, you know use your money for the big sequence when you need it, which also I think helps in storytelling. It helps focus what you really need to tell, what you really want to be in your stories, and that uh, that that works. So you see it a lot in Clone Wars and, and Rebels too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and yeah, like we said, it's a, not just a, a free budget. There's lots of things that in animation you can't do either. And I think there's even some budget things that we see uh, pretty specifically in the contrast between Clone Wars budget and Rebels budget. But we will get to that in a moment. Uh, growing up, Ken, for you, was animated less than live action? It was that you're just kind of general understood mm -hmm. uh, the way of the entertainment world. And if you did start out that way as a kid, has that changed and how and when and all that? It, it definitely changed because it definitely started out that, that way. Uh, and I and I think. It, it 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 was less than I and and in the sense of as big of a, a fan of I, uh, as I am of those things and you know you all have heard me talk about Robotech which was very groundbreaking for American audiences the the Harmony Gold version of of the Macross story is serialized and characters die all those great things changed my expectations but there was a point um, I think in the mid nineties by the mid nineties like you know you just you moved on it was like putting taking the toys off your shelf. And you, you know, you come on, you're an adult now. You don't watch cartoons and you don't collect toys. And it was just a sign of the times. It doesn't mean it was like that for everybody. And it doesn't mean I wanted to. Um, but even like, I remember my friends when they discovered Akira, uh, you know, and whether, whether or not you're an anime fan or not, doesn't matter. I just remember a lot of my friends were excited about it. And I was just like, ah, you know, I, 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 it's a cartoon. It's an animated movie. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not into it. And, 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 and I'm not saying that's what I really believed either. It just was like, it just, for me, in my experiences growing up in this time period, it wasn't until Power of the Force comes out and, wait, I'm in college, but I can still go collect toys? <laughs> and then I, I always joked, like, at one point, the nerds took over in the industry. And, and a lot of times that's a little bad. And, you know, you get every IP from the 80s is turned into a big block budget, block budget uh, blockbuster, big budgeted uh, Michael Bay movie or... Or, uh, you know, Kevin Feige comes along and helps launch the MCU and carves that out of the stone of uh, comic books being looked down upon and all this kind of stuff. And you still see it come up. So it's changed for me where I think when Clone Wars hit, I wasn't as excited for it because a cartoon? You can't do anything in cartoons. And I had to kind of remind myself, and I think the generations after, kind of, kind of what Kyle's talking about, coming up in the 90s, you're a little more open. You don't have that stigma as much. It's changed. Not to, you know, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're both the heroes and the villains of the story, our generation, Joseph. <laughs> and we, we made them popular. We made them big money makers for a lot of these companies and, and everything. But then we just, because of, uh, you know, societal, societal constraints, I guess, I don't know, just were like, okay, but those are done. We've graduated the cartoons. And it took the generations after to go, no, 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 Clone Wars is my Star Wars. And that was, I, now I was learning from that generation. Yeah, no, I think there is a lot of generational storytelling in this, just like Star Wars, uh, but it goes for animation, too. I think for me, I just perceived as a kid that it was a truth that cartoons were for kids 
and mm-hmm. thus less than. Um, I think I just perceived that through osmosis. I couldn't tell you where I understood that. I think it was basically just like there weren't cartoons on in the in primetime. There weren't, uh, you know, big movie releases that the adults got excited about, too, that were animated. So I think it was just sort of understood. And then for me, I think it was reinforced that live action was the pinnacle because I would see bursts of things in animated shows that I dreamt of seeing in live action, but couldn't. Mm-hmm. Because the technology wasn't fully there. Like, um, I loved uh, Super Friends in any sort of animated uh, superhero thing. Uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends uh, was one of my very favorite uh, cartoons when I was a a young one. Um, And yeah, you could have Spider-Man, but I saw that. It was like a guy who kind of crawled on walls. uh, And then it was just in a beige office talking to boring people. (laughs) because you could only take it so far he couldn't truly spin and flip you know you couldn't see you know uh batman really cut loose uh like in an in a television show like the superman movie is pretty good but yeah even as a kid i was like oh superman 2 yeah fights are kind of slow because they they have to be and i love superman 2 but it was like that that reality that i dreamed of seeing the superheroes cut loose and that could only kind of happen animated it couldn't happen in live action yet so that dream of graduating to live action was kind of mm. born there for me and then i think as i was growing up i remember when it was this fun quirky thing that the simpsons were on uh tracy allman and yeah. i remember it being a big deal that got discussed of it was this big bold daring question of like wait a minute a cartoon in prime time that's for mm. adults that's adult kind of satire of sitcoms is this going to work? Because we all know, hey, the Flintstones is great and everything, but that's for kids in afternoon reruns. It's not for prime time. And I have no idea how much, honestly, people not of our generation are aware that those first episodes, that first season of The Simpsons was, this probably isn't going to work because it's not to be done. Animation doesn't belong in prime time, you know? Uh, and I'm a, I'm one of those annoying Simpsons fans that uh, quotes it in every conversation, or at least used to. And and uh, and I and by the way, I love some of the later seasons because it has some of my favorite writing. Yeah, I'm one of those fans, and and that was maybe where it started to turn, but it was never lost on me. There was animation, and I tell maybe maybe we'll get into a little bit more. But the, like even to this day, the industry views it as different. Even with the unions, primetime animation will get you in a union. Any other animation writing will not get you into. The it, it, so it's it's built into even how I think uh, old generations look at it. <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, there, yeah, there's definitely still some industry uh, uh, hooks in it that uh, show you in your paycheck, your retirement, and your healthcare how it's different. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think for me it changed a little bit. It's so great that you brought up. Uh, I do think that our generation absolutely got pressure of you let go of childish things, and here's the list, and uh, cartoons mm-hmm. and action figures were on the list. Uh, and I got the memo enough to hide that I didn't <laughs> lose interest in yeah. those things, but I did not lose interest. Uh, I knew I shouldn't bring it up in certain places, but like I kept collecting action figures. And I think a big turning point for me in animation was uh, Batman the Animated Series. Uh, you know, after school mm-hmm. for me, uh, and it was just so great. And so, like, this is, I think to, to this day, one of my favorite the most whole and complete interpretations of Batman. And I went crazy for the, the uh, 1989 uh, Batman movie. Uh, loved it, saw it multiple times and all that, but it still wasn't like, that was an interpretation of Batman that was for the movie. It was different. 
But the mm. animated show is like, but that's Batman. And that was the first time for me. I was like, I still love the movie. But like yeah. the animated show gave me what I actually craved, not the live action. And I think that was a turning point for me of the way I perceived animation. Yeah, that's a great. And for a lot of my friends, that was it. I, I always, you know, say not much of a superhero guy, but I love Batman. And, but, and I think I had some of that too. This is like, you know, late 80s. When was that run? Was it late early 80s? 90s. In the 90s? Early 90s, right. So high school for you and I, like, no, man, like I'm, I'm watching baseball, which is not a problem. And I love it. And I'm watching young guns, you know, I'm not, I'm and star Wars is great. And I love it. And it's, I've never hid that, but in, in not hiding it, I was also the star Wars nerd or told that, uh, uh, Oh, Oh, you want to, you want to get with a woman? She'll never love you because you love star Wars. Yeah. I was told that stuff in high school, you know? And so what my friends would be like, Oh, do you watch Batman? I'd be like, Oh no, I don't do that. <laughs> yeah. And I knew, or rather was told, because I don't think it was, act, was actually true. I think, uh, you know, obviously uh, a ton of people of all kinds were watching and enjoying uh, nerdy things, geeky things, genre things. And, I, you know, I think the culture uh, did us all a disservice. But at yes. the time, my perception was, I can't tell this girl I like that I, you know, got to get home because Batman's on, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm glad that, that things are changing. Uh, Yep. And speaking of things changing, uh, mm. so obviously a ton of very popular Star Wars animation uh, exists now. You mentioned anime, obviously a generation's younger than us and, and some people of our generation. Anime is is their everything. It's their entry point to entertainment, to yeah. genre, to nerdery. Um, but then we got things like, you know, Into the Spider-Verse, which is just a hugely popular, successful animated film. Do you think there is still a perception that animation is less than, or do you think we're starting to move past that as a culture? I think we're definitely past that. Uh, I, I think, I think there's, there's still some old holdouts and, you know, say, they're the same people that are like oh, comic comic books are considered art now, you know? And it's like, yeah, that, that's, that's where it kind of changed in the focus and, and a lot of our creativity goes to. And, but I think there's some holdouts and it's weird. Like I, you know, I don't love the, a lot of the Pixar movies, not because of anything uh, old grumpy can just, I don't connect to them. Even if I try now, I don't, and I've seen some in the theaters. I don't connect with them a little as, as much as I do uh, seeing an actor and seeing their eyes and seeing their face. But that, that is not uh, almost has nothing to factor in this conversation. I still recognize that they are life-changing for some people. They are inspirational. They are, they are not just their youth, but the, it affects adults. Like I, I, I think I've changed it. So I think that it's, it, it's changed, but there's, there's always going to be some, going to be some holdouts. Yeah, I still think maybe you said make such a great point about like there's it's literally different uh, in the industry. Uh, and I will say, yes, I've had that experience as, uh, as somebody yeah. who's written animation. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it's not a union job. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of complexity there. Anyway, point being, I do think there are some things that are still kind of holdovers of it is not not even that animated is less than, but live action is still the pinnacle. And then if live action is the pinnacle, then by definition, animation must be a little less than, but I just, I see that changing just everywhere. Um, you know, for a long time, for lots of reasons, lots of shows as we discussed, but I do still feel like it's just holding on a little bit, which will, uh, mm -hmm. perhaps factor into uh, our discussion of the possible future of star Wars animation. Uh, so now we are going to dive back and try to talk through the history 
of Star Wars in animation. We'll talk some personal feelings, but also kind of try to monitor the changing state of the entertainment world and in the technology of the entertainment world as well. So we go uh, all the way back in our time machine to the brief animated adventure in the Star Wars holiday special. Uh, when did you first see the Star Wars holiday special or just the animation? And, and how did you feel about it when you saw that bit of Star Wars animation? Yeah, I think late eighties started seeing or seeing clips of it. Um, I don't know how I maybe in, you know, um, uh, you know, magazines or something like that. Obviously I, I wasn't like handed a VHS tape of it now. Like I've copied DVD, CD-ROM copies now. CD-ROM, I said CD-ROM like it's 1992 and I'm playing <laughs> Mist. Um, but it was around that time and into high school too. Where I and we mentioned this on the main show, uh, the new show this week. But it's like it was like whispered, like you know, there was like the weird Christmas special like on TV. Like what are you talking? About? What are you talking about? And then the Boba Fett stuff, and that's what I saw first. And so it's interesting that that's what stuck with me more than any other clip of Lumpy or Itchy or Diane Carroll or, you know, whatever, <laughs> just that the Boba Fett animation, uh, is, is what, uh, was, uh, put out there as, yeah, but at least it had this. Yeah. It was always discussed as, but at least it had this, it was a sort of a, a little trivia fact. Um, yeah, I remember I have, uh, uh, foggy memories of watching it. Um, you know, I think mm -hmm. my parents probably saw that it was coming. It's was like, well, they got to see that. Or I'm, we, I'm sure we saw ads, they're sitting there and watching, you know, uh, the 70s uh, Hulk show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But uh, I remember being emotionally affected by uh, the stormtroopers being mean to the Wookiees, you know. That, but that's like all I really remember about it. And then it it never left my, my mind. I always knew, like, there's that holiday special. And I wonder if I'll ever see it again. And it wasn't until, for me... Ooh, uh, late 90s early 2000s that a friend did hand me like a you know illegal bootleg vhs in a brown paper bag uh and uh, this is my friend who was kind of like an uh, early like i know i've looked everything up on the internet he was like my in-person internet who would tell me what people were saying <laughs> yeah. uh and and he you know he gave it to me i think literally in a brown paper bag and it came with a note of saying don't watch this alone it's not safe <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't wait. So I popped it in and I watched the whole thing. And I was like, wow. You know, cause in my mind it was a little bit more, I, I was so young and I was affected emotionally by the stormtroopers. But even with all that, yeah, the, the whole, all of it was like, this is funny. This is bonkers that it was, you know, basically just a variety show, uh, and Krillman pouring booze into his head. But then the, animation was like ooh, but that's some actual star wars that's kind of cool mm -hmm. i remember thinking that even in the late 90s um that the animation was cool yeah so and different what do you think is the importance of that that there's this little animated thing that that looks uh, i think probably not that amazing to modernize but that is the first appearance of Boba Fett. And, of course, the first appearance of Din Djarin's <laughs> uh, pulse rifle. Uh, what is the importance that that first bit of animated Star Wars is the first appearance of a, a pretty major character like Boba Fett? I think it's a, a reminder and, and a, maybe even a retroactive lesson that, that it counts. It counts. You know, not necessarily the holiday special, uh, you know, you know. 
Uh, poor, poor Itchy, we'll get to you later, buddy. But, you know, like it brought us that and that's the first appearance and you can't overlook that. And 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 as, as you and I are going to continue to talk, like it's easy to overlook animation even as a Star Wars fan. Uh, but you shouldn't if, if if you're here for the whole picture and the whole story. And that to me is what I take from it. A little, like I said, a little lesson for myself back in the day. Yeah, I, I was really affected by that too, of thinking through like where does animation uh, fit in Star Wars and how should it be valued as we look toward the future and the possibility maybe of less animation. We don't know for sure. Uh, but that's a great thing to look back on and say, if we're asking a question, is animation vital to Star Wars? it's powerful that the first bit of Star Wars animation introduced a main, a major character of Star Wars yeah. and that everybody for, for years had that reaction to it of like, yeah, no, it's a really weird uh, variety show that just stinks of the seventies, but mm. <laughs> that animation's cool. Uh, so moving on uh, in the eighties, after return of the Jedi came out, there were two Saturday morning cartoons, very much, Saturday morning cartoons, not weekday afternoon cartoons, Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, those cartoons were droids and Ewoks. Ken, did you watch droids and Ewoks and how did you feel about them? No, sir, I didn't. I, uh, <laughs> even though I love Star Wars and I love cartoons in this era, eh, nope, big no for me. I, I do remember kind of catching them. And, but it's interesting. The reason was, I was like, nah, and it, the movies are what counts. And it's not even like about canon or not canon. That certainly wasn't something on my brain back then, but it just was like, nah, this didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> you denied them. And you were not even yeah. an Ewok hater uh, because you, no. you Return of the Jedi was your first film. You loved those little murder bears from the go. So what held you back? <laughs> just, just, uh, I just remember saying just like, no, Luke, Han, laugh, nah. Nah, this isn't real. Okay, so it was about the fact that it was concentrating on the droids who maybe yeah. you as a kid perceived as they're not the action characters, they're not the characters you, um, uh, yeah. that you imagined being. I know some people absolutely imagine themselves and, and see themselves identified uh, as 3PO or R2, but a lot of people who are just wanting like the, the action, it's droids, and then uh, you know a lot of people uh, were not thought the Ewoks were too cutesy um and you you didn't have the ewok baggage but you just saw the, the it's not the main characters so it can't be great yeah yeah yes and maybe exposes some uh weaknesses in in myself as a human when i look down <laughs> and look i think you'd be a little ewoks. harsh on your young self well but also not to, to to move it i from the library checked out um the lando books remember the old lando books yeah and read the, I remember reading the first one and I'm, I'm young. I'm in the eight, nine, 10 range. And I was, but I was a big reader and everything. So I, I understood the words, everybody. Um, I just remember same thing though. Same thing. Like, nah, nah, it's the movies. The movies are what's the story. And that uh, carried out and into the animation, which again, when we'll come back to the Clone Wars carried over to that era. So it wasn't anything about necessarily what was on the screen. It just was like, nope, the movies, that's it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah. That's where it was. Yeah. I think for me, I so, I did watch them uh, and I so desperately wanted more Star Wars. And I, I remember just the feeling of being in front of the television and almost just like willing it to be more Star Warsy in terms of yeah. what I was excited about, which would have been like bounty hunters in the force. And I think there was in droids, some bounty hunter type uh, characters. But I think it was this convergence of, I was already 
into the part of Star Wars. Like I laughed at parts of it, but like I wanted the the fights and the drama and the weight, even as a kid. And the Saturday morning cartoons at that point, it still had a, some, some superheroes or that, but it was they they were really moving into I think a phase where you needed something cute. Like uh, right. He Man was not Saturday morning; it was uh, you know weekday afternoon, but. You needed Orko, who is this, you know, dork who is just always doing funny pratfalls. Yeah. And, you know, the Godzilla cartoon need, needed uh, Godzuki, his silly, wacky, uh, you know, buddy. Even that Spider-Man the Amazing Friends, I forgot, like, there's a wacky dog who goes on many adventures with them. Uh-huh. You know, like, you uh-huh. need it. it. It was like this, if it's going to be a Saturday morning cartoon, it, it can't have, like, drama and weight and violence it's got to be cute and goony and safe and even as a very young kid i was resenting that i'm like come on show me some lightsabers <laughs> show me some yeah. violence i don't i don't need all uh, all sidekicks um yeah. and i think it you know i'm long past any ewok resentment but the fact that star wars was continuing and it was ewoks instead of something else <laughs> added to my resentment <laughs> I'm right there with you. Ewok movies, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was it was a weird time. It was a weird time. It just didn't feel right. So do you think if back in the mid-80s, uh, there was an animated show that was more like, you know, uh, uh, the Bounty Hunters Guild or the new Jedi Adventures of Luke Skywalker and Friends, do you think that would have grabbed you more? What do you think the legacy of that would be if there had been a little bit more? Still, still mid-80s styles, there would have been a wacky yeah. sidekick. But it did focus more on some of the main characters or, or the the weird, fun bounty hunters. I I the new Jedi Adventures, Luke Skywalker and friends. Give me that. Give me that. <laughs> it's just a retro and, a retro cartoon yeah. meant to be made in 1985. Oh my god! Actually, you're not you're not too far off of what I think would work now. But yes, um, and and, and you know, and you hundred percent would have had some new teak like, um weird wacky character but like look luke i found a lightsaber like it would have had that <laughs> yeah it's like it was it was mandated right that you needed to have the wacky sidekick or two or three or have a little bit of that element of, of cute and fun all the way i mean the examples come pouring out of the 80s but yes uh, but that would have been good but but it would have been it could have been it's so funny like this is such a good idea you've you've jokingly suggested but also probably seriously because it would have been like the batman had Batman animated series for Star Wars, the new adventures of Luke Skywalker and friends. That's yeah. Let's- well, I mean, that that's amazing to think about too, of 85, you might've got like Luke, you know, doing a few cool Jedi things, but he definitely would have a, a Jedi student, you know, called, you know, Mexel trip face and just, you know, <laughs> accidentally cutting himself with his lightsaber. That's probably too dark. I can't even make cute, cute enough jokes. Uh, but if you moved it to the early to mid nineties, Mm-hmm. And now we're talking, I think, some fundamentals for a lot of genre fans. We're talking Batman the Animated Series. We're talking that uh, X-Men series that is a big deal for a lot of people. Uh, right. and, and you get a little bit more of it. It's not Saturday morning. It's weekday afternoon. It's serialized. It's We can just kind of take the source material and we can adapt it uh, for animated television. Then I think, you know, in the in the you know, early to mid nineties, you might've got like, I think what people of our age were really craving of like, here's what Luke did a little bit of like, you know, the, uh, the legends books on screen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it would have, I think it would have been, a, I think it would have been a hit, man. What a missed opportunity. How dare you? Star Wars <laughs> and George Lucas. 
couple of missed opportunities right there. Uh, but the opportunities would not continue to be missed. Uh, eventually, of course, animated Star Wars makes a big return. First, you have the Gennady Tartofsky uh, Clone Wars, uh, which then leads into uh, the one of the absolute uh, crowning achievements of animation in Star Wars, and that is, of course, the Clone Wars animated series Lucas himself behind a ton of it, uh, taking in Padawan uh, Dave Filoni and mentoring him and a lot of great creative figures uh, beyond Lucas and uh, Filoni as well in the Clone Wars. So you and I have talked a lot about Clone Wars. We're doing the arc by arc uh, uh, podcast Clone Wars report where we're looking at it. But what's your big picture? Why is it so successful as a Star Wars series, as an animated series? Why does Clone Wars uh, work so well? I think because it is, it, it gives itself the time to go into these characters' minds and their journeys and really break it down and really kind of add to the Star Wars myth and and and, and the story uh, in a way that any TV show does because because again or a book and you have time and and the the technological kind of advancements of the show different style and it got better and better and better up to season seven. It's just gorgeous. You know, that's what was one of the reasons George was being pulled in for why he was never like, oh, let's do this is, you know, too expensive to do live action. So it was groundbreaking in that, that way, but it did, it, 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 it it's a show. It's, it, it, and, and it's not a cartoon. It's not animated. It, it, it you know, it, it should, it, it, it goes beyond those genres or those labels. And that's what it did so well, even even if you didn't see it or weren't ready for it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really what it is. I think you said it really well. Of it's it, it just didn't matter that it is animated. You know, Filoni has even said that a lot about how Lucas was really like treat this uh, in a cinematic way. Treat this like each one is like a little movie. Each one is another chapter in the Star Wars story. And obviously. Uh, the general cultural relationship to anime had evolved a ton by, you know, we're talking about, you know, 2008, it premieres. So I think people were, you know, more ready for that. But the importance of Star Wars being not only is it like, oh, here's a, a little side adventure with uh, with Ewoks. because We like those and why not follow up or, or you know, here's a one off uh, animated thing for the Internet. This was let's dig in. And there's so much about this huge, expansive galaxy that was developed for the prequels. Uh, let's really see the war. And mm -hmm. I think the fact that it does tell the story of characters, absolutely, but it tells the story of the clone wars themselves uh, in all sorts of different ways from all sorts of different uh, perspectives. So it really gets to build that mythology. I also think it, the thing that I respond to again and again is Obviously, Filoni, Henry Gilroy, all sorts of great people executed a lot of the ideas, but I always feel Lucas in them. Everything that he thought Star Wars could be, he got to throw in this huge pot. Everything from, like you were talking about, the Zilla Beast. Let's throw in a genre that I never got to explore really in the movies as much, the monster kaiju, and we're going to get some more sort of a weird private detective. And also, like... Here's a lot of coming-of-age morals that I think are really important that I really want to emphasize. And also, hey, I, George Lucas, am a very political person, and I have these very strong political beliefs, and I'm going to make them crystal clear through Padme in these political arcs. All of the extremes of what Star Wars can be from gee whiz fun, whiz bang, uh, genre adventure to deep, deep philosophy to reflection uh, of the real world cautionary tale 
everything, all of the ingredients that I think matter to Lucas, he just got to, you know, work with his great team to explore all of them. Mm. And it makes Clone Wars really powerful. It makes the Clone Wars show by itself its own narrative, but it's also just like you can just watch it as here's an exploration of what makes Star Wars Star Wars. Yeah, it's pretty groundbreaking in that sense. And I think there's, you know, I'm not an expert in the field of animation and animation history and the shows and everything, but yeah, you mentioned The Simpsons and all that kind of stuff, but like, but, but uh, X Men uh, is one obviously great example. The Batman one always comes up, but I think this is took from that and said, it didn't necessarily look directly at it and go, let's do a Star Wars version of that. But it moved it all forward to where kind of what you're talking about. If this was made in the eighties, this would have been Star Wars, the Gungans, right? This would have been, <laughs> by the way, I'd watch. But yeah, it, this was Anakin, Obi-Wan, Padme, Palpatine. It was all the characters that we'd just seen on the screen. And it said, we're not done with them. And, and, for me and maybe other people out there it, it experienced it different with other animated programs. But for me in this age group is that Star Wars fan. It was the first time I was like, Oh, okay. This, this is telling me it's Star Wars, whether or not I'm ready for that or seeing it or accepting of it is, is a different conversation that I had with myself, but it was like, there's no lie that we are continuing or diving back into that story. This is a droids. This isn't Ewoks. Yeah, yeah, except for the D-Squad, which is basically the Clone Wars version of the droid show. <laughs> That's true. Uh, which, yeah, but but yet another example of like, but but uh, Star Wars can also be like uh, fun and silly, so let's do that too. Uh, man, if Jar Jar had hit, if Jar Jar had been popular, there would have been, I think, on weekday uh, television, very early computer animation adventures of Jar Jar. <laughs> Holy word. Totally. Which <laughs> is just beautiful to picture. All right. Yeah. So uh, continuing our examination of Clone Wars itself, um, it obviously took a, a massive step forward in, in terms of the history of Star Wars animation by fleshing out major characters, major events, uh, introducing what would become major characters like Ahsoka. Do you think Star Wars can or should put that genie back in the bottle? Which is to say Clone Wars set a standard that animation can be really, really major canon. Um, meaning it's clear from, a, from myself. I, I, I think, I think I, I want another series. I'll just cut to that. I want another series that's in the same vein. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I had to stop. I, yeah. I think that is just for me an important part of the history of star Wars animation that for better or worse, uh, clone Wars set a high bar because it's a really fun animated show. It's a really fun, you know, you could just watch it on Saturday morning and, and queue up those old feelings of, you know, uh, put on some jammies, eat some cereal. Or, you know, if, if you watched, uh, you know, cartoons a lot in the 90s after school, you know, do it after school. And it still feels like a fun mm -hmm. animated adventure every episode of just kind of checking on our friends and what adventure did they have this week? It has that feel. But then in terms of what it means to Star Wars, it's just, it's up there with the movies in its level of importance to the story and to the characters. And I think for better or worse, the, for a long time, people are going to, that's the bar that an animated series needs to clear to feel like Star Wars animation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is, uh, when we talk about resistance, I think it, 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 it's right there with it, exceeds it in some areas and falls short. Nothing at fault of the, the show because the Clone Wars... And then Rebels set such a high standard for folks. And yeah, I want 
And Bad Batch might be it. I'm willing to give that a try, but I, I still want that in Star Wars. And it's now part of the tradition for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that thoroughly answers my question that we're on the, the same page there. But let's move on then, of course, to Rebels. Uh, Rebels introduced a whole bunch of new characters, uh, but also continued uh, many themes, stories, characters of Clone Wars. Uh, it was absolutely as, as vital to canon uh, as Clone Wars was ultimately. For you, what is the most successful thing about Rebels? It deals with big, big themes, big, big moments, and big parts of the Star Wars story, the formation, the continued formation of the Rebellion, and big characters coming in. Not even talk about Obi-Wan and Maul, but the Mon Mothma of it all. Just like It deals with that kind of stuff, but stays tiny enough that it's different and new and creates an entire new chapter for the Star Wars story. And it wasn't, you know, again, not op- not as open to it when it first popped up. It was a different time in 2014. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I personally fully got what they were trying to do, not just with Rebels, but the new era going forward. And that includes the books and the novels. I, I didn't like New Dawn that much back then. I'm willing to reread that. Um, maybe I'll like Count Vidian more. I don't know. But you know what I mean? Like there was, they were trying for different things. And, and Rebels is part of that. And I think it's key that you highlighted, introduced a whole, whole bunch of new characters at the center. So we're going to do the same thing for Clone Wars, but with people you don't know to help reach a new part of uh, the fan base, but also pull you all in with the with this time period that's so key to the story. Yeah, it, it was such an interesting uh, time period where it was made, where I think it was being, you know, aggressively original trilogy feelings as, you know, this one of the first Disney Lucasfilm Star Wars things uh, for people who had wanted that old uh, original trilogy flavor, but was also so clearly inviting in new fans and clearly so successful that we hear from a lot of listeners that like Rebels is their favorite thing or was their introduction uh, to Star Wars. They're really successful with that. I think for me, big picture on Rebels, I think the fact that it is this great combination of it is these new characters who are clearly building a family and they're all, if not all, many of them are healing through the creation of family. So on one side, it's this very moving, very poignant, uh, uh, the importance of family story. But then in terms of kind of the galactic big picture of Star Wars, it really tells this great kind of step-by-step story of how do all of these cells and all of this opposition to the evils of the Empire slowly uh, build into this group of people doing what is right for the galaxy, you know? So uh, you could describe like, it's a story how a bunch of people go to war. <laughs> it could sound grim, and it is such a hopeful, thoughtful show. Yeah, yeah, and and it's those big themes that that you you know. I, I'm almost embarrassed of my some of my reviews of the first season of Rebels, the first episode of Rebels. I just wasn't open to it for a type of Star Wars that wasn't made specifically for me at that point in my life, you know. And season one, a good rewatch uh, taught me pretty quick of like, oh, there, everything is there. It's part of the big, um, the big, the big picture of Star Wars, emotionally, thematically, and action wise. It's all, it's all there, and it continued to continue with Clone Wars start, and in many ways, for some people, it exceeded it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so looking at it just from kind of its place in the history of of Star Wars and its history of animation. It is significant that Rebels uh, came out at the beginning of the new Disney Lucasfilm era. And, you know, it was still on a cable channel, not streaming. How do you think mm-hmm. its time and its place affected the show? Um, I I think 
I think it. I don't think this, I don't think it hurt the show. I think it. I, I think other people hurt themselves <laughs> by not <laughs> not getting into it. It, it. But it's easy. I understand the resistance to it. Um, pun intended, I guess. I understand the resistance to it. I, I mentioned like I, when it comes to Pixar, it's I, I'm not being grumpy Ken on that. I just I don't get pulled in by the stories as much as I do live action. I don't I don't know why. It's just something there. Um, so I understand when I, I have some friends who are like, hey, I haven't really watched Rebels. Cartoons don't really do it for me. I understand where that comes from. And you have to kind of overcome that. And I think that can affect Rebels a little bit too. We are now in an area where, era where that's more, you know, animated shows are, not that they're more adult, but they're more accepted as part of the story, not just in Star Wars, but in everything. Uh, you're about to see that challenge is coming in Game of Thrones, which is uh, two, two spinoffs and now maybe an animated series which will challenge fans to see whether they like it or not, if they, if they can play around in that very grim adult world and it's quote unquote animated or a cartoon, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's still a challenge. The lingering effects of, of, of the stuff you and I were talking about growing up that might've affected rebels. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, you know, I was affected by, I think a good thing to remember is some of the behind the scenes of, you know, what can you do in animation? What can't you, what is, what are budget constraints that part of the reason that Clone Wars is Clone Wars is because Lucas threw a, just a ton of money at it to make it cinematic. Right. And rebels from the get go is it's got a different look. And part of that is budget, right? That uh, the characters don't have clothing that moves. (laughs) Uh, you know, and as I understand it, that's budget things. I was even reading uh, a um, quote from Filoni when we reviewed the Zillow Beast episodes of Clone Wars of like, we could maybe do the Zillow Beast on Rebels, but there is definitely some budget concerns. Uh, so I think for me, I think uh, some of my initial like, you know, how I get into this is the realization that there was caution from Disney Lucasfilm of like, all Clone Wars had all this money thrown at it. And, you know, Disney, one of the richest <laughs> entities on the planet is relaunching Star Wars. And even they were like, yeah, let's only spend so much money, you know? Yeah. And, it, and it's put uh, on a, on a, you know, I used to always joke of here, I'd be doing these reviews on the other, uh, the YouTube network I was on at the time. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm analyzing this show like a serious Star Wars fan. And it's like, now, do you want some Slimers kids? Go out to the store. It's like you, you, every time I saw a commercial break, I'd be reminded, oh, that's right. They're, they intend this for kids, which I felt they had to. Disney Plus now might change it. Not, th- not saying we're going to get an adult, gritty Star Wars animated show, but now you could just market it as something different. I think that was part of it, too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's a tribute to the show that whatever baggage that Rebels had, having the direct comparison to Clone Wars, uh, Mm. you know, any sort of budget concerns, any sort of it's it's to this, it's to that. The show clearly overcame that to be just deeply loved by so many people. So I think it's an obvious, obvious success. Uh, From there, we move on to Star Wars Resistance. It is a two season sequel era animated show. Uh, for you, what were the strengths of Star Wars Resistance, and why do you like it? I think it it it, it, it when it allowed itself to dive into that era that 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 state of the galaxy stuff that a lot of people had questions about in in, in coming out of Episode Seven about wait wait a minute you know what's what's happened with the government why does why does Leia seem she's something all those kind of things and just how the first first order could creep back. I look at Resistance as the best example of how that happened this little uh, Colossus tower, this own kind of ecosystem and, and kind of world where they just, everyone just wants to hang out and watch people race, uh, knew of the first order. Was it a secret? 
Yeah, they come around. They kind of they shake us down. Yeah, you know, it's part of living. Eh, eh, it's life. Eh? Um, I think you really see that best in in resistance of, of the storytelling we have right now. Uh, uh, and I, I look at the series, you know, the refugees showing up was a very great uh, example. And also looking at Kylo, this monster with a red blade and how, how they saw him and how, how it started to, uh, how Kaz started to, to, to see it. And, and before we, oh, cool, I'm a spy for the resistance, but then to really see why he needed to be and all those kind of things. I think that will, will on, on reexamination will, will stand out more for people in that series. Yeah, I think that's a, a really well said. I think the the structure of the sequel trilogy, you know, there there's a questions of you know exactly how much of the story of the war or the resistance uh, can you tell and where and all that. And this Star Wars Resistance is a great story of denial. It's a great story of appeasement. Of you see it from young people who don't quite get how bad it could be, and you get to see it from the older generation, like we lived through this and we don't want to do it again. And so we're just going to try to assume it'll all go away and be okay. Uh, and then exploding into, Nope, you can't, you can't. And it's such a star Wars, uh, lesson, right. Of, you know, inaction is a choice too. Um, and I think that is one of the great powers for me. One of the great powers of star Wars resistance is not that I don't like any other animation in star Wars, but it's just gorgeous. And I think, you know, it, it, that specific style of animation goes well with the racing, uh, the racer aesthetic that is a part of the show. So I think it's just beautiful. I think it is definitely uh, pitched. Uh, almost all Star Wars is, is said to be all ages, right? Um, but this one is definitely pitched uh, e- even a little younger. Uh, and with that comes a lot of uh, physical comedy that's, just, you know, usually for me, really, really successful. Uh, O'Peepit is one of my favorite Star Wars characters. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, for background weirdos. So a bunch of great stuff on how it's presented and, and what it's uh, actually dealing with. I think a thing that comes up a lot with fans, which I, I want to wrestle with here, Ken, is does it feel like a companion piece to Clone Wars in Rebels? And if not, is that about the style, the target demographic, the differences in the eras of storytelling? What is it? Yeah, I don't see it as a companion piece, I'll say, even though I, I do celebrate Resistance. And I, I think it was targeted a little bit lower it had there's parts of it that have that 80s droids ewoks colossus feel like it's the people of the colossus and and the race and i and and i don't think i don't necessarily think they should have done it any different um but and a lot of that is on us a collective royal us versus what they were trying to do it's very easy to be like remember when was it remember when it was announced it was like Dave Filoni presents Star Wars Resistance, right? And he was like, "Yeah, it's kind of my. I love I love fighter pl- pilots. I'm an e- I'm an EP. Everyone, these are the folks running it. But we all, you know, you don't listen to that. You just go, oh, Filoni's new series, um, and some wonderful talented people are are make make this show. So it's like it already had that against it in a way when it, and so it shows up and it's a different era, a different style." There's more yoinks and zoinks and slippy and falls. And, and, and I love those two. And uh, the OP, but it's really good, subtle comedy. Uh, Jim Rash and Bobby Moynihan are two great characters, but they're a little out there Saturday morning ish. You know, it's, it's, so it's a, it, it, it always to me has a different feel. The look too, the style is different, but you know, Rebels and Clone Wars don't exactly look the same, right? So, yeah, but I think that was it too. So it was like, you can kind of get. Oh, we've got something else. It's going to be like, it's, 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 it's the Clone Wars. We're going to get into the the gritty parts of the first order. And it, it wasn't, but it didn't want to be that. 
we wanted it to be that. And so you can hold that against the show. And that's why I say on re-examination, there's some great stuff there. Yeah. Uh, I think that Rebels definitely had a, we want to introduce people to a new group of characters for sure. Yeah. But Resistance felt even more to me like this is a way in to Star Wars uh, for younger kids. It had such great coming of age themes uh, to go along with the burgeoning, you know, can't ignore the threat of the First Order. Uh, but, you know, Kaz and Tam stories in particular are very much uh, coming of age stories. And I think that gave it power, but gives it a slightly different focus. And I think for me, uh, Clone Wars and Rebels both have many elements that make Star Wars Star Wars. Yeah. And Resistance has a lot of these themes that are absolutely core of Star Wars. But it's very light touch on force or mysticism. You know, Kylo, like you said, has seen it, it, it very briefly in through other characters eyes or you know there's a second season episode of uh, that great character who is uh hunting for artifacts to beat the first order to them um yeah. so it's right there around the edges but you could watch an episode and just be like the the force you, you don't know the force is there right um yeah. so i think for me it doesn't mean i dislike it it's just a, a really different flavor of star wars because that major element of star wars for me is not as present and i think maybe we'll get a resistance uh first order conflict war era show that does a little bit more of the the kind of clone wars rebels approach but in a way i i I do think that's what this is doing because it is that that first season is denial and the second season makes it clear it's at least in that part of the story it's not a war it's a bunch of people desperately trying to survive yeah survival uh denial turns to choice denial turns to realization all those kind of things yeah I think it'll that that the hopefully it'll emerge, but I'd still love that explored in a different style too. Yeah, and maybe it will uh, someday. Uh, we're wrapping up our look at all of the past of Star Wars animation. There are many, many other, of course, animated shorts, uh, uh, different levels of canon that have come out in the last several years. Uh, various Lego Adventures, uh, two whole seasons of the Freemaker Adventures, which I've watched, enjoyed. Of course, uh, Forces of Destiny and uh, Galaxy of Adventures, uh, designed on for YouTube, but popping up other places as well. Which of those collection of uh, sort of canon to canon adjacent animation stuff has been effective for you, Ken? The Force of the Destiny stuff, I just love wholeheartedly. Uh, no secret there. And the Galaxy Adventure stuff is just fun. I, I remember when that was launched with Star Wars Kids. I still think it's just a, just a great idea and something that's um, just so important for the, the, those next, gener- next generations we all talk about. And Force of the Destiny... It succeeds with some great bits of canon and canon adjacent stuff for sure, to be clear. Um, great little Star Wars bite-sized storytelling. But I remember too, there's the expectations. 2017, the night before, I was t- uh, riding around in Orlando with some coworkers and one of them was like, oh, I'll tell you the secret. I got what the, the big announcement is tomorrow. We're like, what? He's like, there's a trademark filed, uh, uh, something called Forces of Destiny. We were like, oh, wow, a new Clone Wars. <laughs> Clone Wars. And so when it's announced, it's these little shorts. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I loved all the characters and loved the focus, especially on younger female fans. Like, I was all for that. Never fought that. Proud to say. Happy to say. Thankful I'm saying that. But also I remember thinking, uh, well, eh, I don't know. You know, uh, and because, not because of the project, but because we had heard the forces of destiny. Like, isn't this amazing? Like, oh, we're going to get... 
you know, Ray, the, we're going to get her parents. Ray's parents got an animated series, you know, <laughs> was the sign of the times. Um, so again, I, I was able to see past that eventually and connect with what's there for me in Forces of Destiny. Yeah. Yeah. I think I like almost all of these on some level. And I think it's because a lot of them are very much designed to welcome younger generations into Star Wars, which I think is is really important. I think it's kind of important for any fandom, but particularly a a franchise and a story like Star Wars that is a generational saga in terms of what its own story is. And a, a thing that, uh, a story that celebrates family, found family, it celebrates connection and uh, thinking that, yep, you have power yourself, you have to make choices, but also you have a lot of power if you connect to other people. So it really makes sense to me that Star Wars would be working hard to bring new generations in. And I appreciate all these animated things from that perspective. Uh, but then also just, you know, the variety of it has been fun. The Forces of Destiny being these stories uh, that, yeah, started as having a perspective on on women characters. And, and that was great. Uh, and all of the all of the forces of destiny i like but some of them like you know seeing ahsoka really kind of wink and nod and go yeah no i know about anakin and padme that was a big deal to me you know yeah. uh there's some moments in forces of destiny that are like that's great that's a big deal to me as a star wars fan and then kind of on the almost the opposite end galaxy of adventures just really excites me because it's the possibility of just reinterpretation of just taking scenes and characters and ideas we know and expressing them through the thing that makes animation different. One of the main things I think is you can just tell the same story in a completely different style because it's animated and it makes you, uh, it's a good introduction if you've never seen it. Uh, but it's also just makes you go like, Oh yeah, that's, that's the arc of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Those are all his big famous moments and they're done in this really cool style. It, uh, it, it, invites new people in and excites me as a fan who's been here for a while. And, and that's, that's powerful. We, we old dogs can learn new tricks. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, so I, I shared a little bit about how I think animation's a, a good way to bring younger generations into Star Wars. Do you think that is an important mission of animation? Um, yeah, it has to be. Cause, and that does ties into some of the traditional views of animation. It's just uh, of cartoons, the old cartoons for kids. Uh, that's why, again, uh, Galaxy's Adventures is, is a big victory for me because it's like, great. Um, we know there's many, many generations of Star Wars fans out there and many of them have two-year-olds now, three-year-olds, and you want to share it with you. And we understand it's not always easy. You know, you might, uh, Revenge of the Sith, you don't just plop your three-year-old down. And, <laughs> and here's another way to do it um, and to just foster the growth and, and allow it uh, to just, uh, it's fun to me. And I remember some of the debates around Galaxy Adventures when it first popped up, just silliness, just pure silliness of, uh, you know, will they change this? No, oh, man, they're just, they're just repackaging this in a very fun way. Um, and, and being able to, to make room at the table for anyone else in Star Wars, I think is a part of the lesson of Star Wars. And uh, I'm glad to, uh, the gener uh, generations will get to experience Galaxy of Adventures and all those kind of things. And I think, again, Star Wars Kids, great idea. Yeah, yeah. Great sense of play and a great sense of imagination. And I think that's part of what brings people into Star Wars is being able to have that sense of play and imagination. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk about, as uh, Kyle so uh, wisely asked in his question, about the future of animation in Star Wars. We will be right back. <laughs> 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138.
And we are back to talk animation in Star Wars, and in particular, the future. So the next big thing on the horizon, Ken, is, of course, the Bad Batch. And the Bad Batch looks to be continuing the legacy of uh, the Clone Wars in particular, uh, because visually it's very much uh, in the Clone Wars style. The uh, trailer even has the Clone Wars logo burning away to give way to the Bad Batch logo. And it is also, of course, uh, following characters we met in the Clone Wars and literally picking up where the timeline left off. So what excites you the most about the Bad Batch? I think what excites me the most is how I... I almost hoping without the risk of putting too much pressure on it, I'm hoping it exceeds my expectations. Um, I love the Bad Batch characters. I love that little arc. Love finally seeing it after years of, you know, seeing half-baked clips and all that kind of stuff and knowing they exist. And it, and it did work. And it has a fun, you know, 80s G.I. Joe A-Team vibe that you and I talked about when we were reviewing it. But, I, you know, upon announcement or upon even that rumor popping up, uh, eh, we'll see. We'll see is, is my official stance on it. And uh, already the trailer uh, has got me more excited. The, you know, just even a Fennec Shan and connecting it to a new part of Star Wars has me excited. And then seeing uh, the era, knowing the era, but then seeing maybe what they might be trying to do with it has me more excited. And I, and that's, I think, lessons learned. You know, I'm not going into this one like I went into Rebels, which was like, ah, kids show. And they put in a TIE fighter sound effect to make me happy. Boo. <laughs> I think essentially my review of the first episode on Jedi Alliance. So yeah, that's, that's what excites me about it. What, what, what excites me about it is what I don't know about it. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I will go with you on that and say in the spirit of our discussion right now, you could just look at it and go like, okay, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's five clones, you know, the, the four now echoes joined them and that's cool. Uh, and, and it'll be their story. Right. Uh, but we just don't know. We don't know if it will do what the Clone Wars and Rebels have done. We don't know if it will have something, you know, akin to the revelation that Obi-Wan had a relationship with this person, Satine, or this will be the, you know, where a major character meets their end or their beginning. We don't know the way that Maul showed up in Rebels, you know? We don't know all what it could be. But I'm so so excited for that, and I'm also excited for uh, the potential of this era, this exact time to take that other really important element of the Clone Wars, which is just a huge amount of respect for the clones and continue the story of the clones from these clones' perspective, really interested in Echo in particular, mm -hmm. but taking them into this era and thinking about the exciting stories that can be told of how exactly did all the clones end, right? Uh, and, and what did they all go through? There's a shot of them heading towards Kamino, which makes me feel like we're really going to deal with the clones being phased out. Uh, what is the galaxy's realization after, hey, we were scared of the war, and then our big, strong uh, chancellor said, we're an emperor empire now, and everything's going to be safe. I'm like, oh, wait, no. <laughs> yeah. Things are bad. Like the, the dawning realization of the horror of the empire, uh, the rise of criminal syndicates, uh, separatist holdouts. Is that going to be like the main missions initially for the Bad Batch? Are they being sent to... Right you know, shut down any burning embers of the separatists. So many great uh, storylines that connect to all these eras of, of Star Wars that we haven't really lived right in this space before. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, and it's so weird that, that, that you know, again, I, I don't want to, <laughs> this, this could be a fun romp. And uh, here I want uh, gritty character studies of, uh, of what could happen. But um, that's, yeah, so I'm trying to manage my expectations again. But yeah, that's, 
that's what I want out of it. And that's what the, that's what this show could do. And uh, long are the days of me going, ah, but it's just a cartoon. So give me the bad batch. <laughs> so on the more technical side and the sort of uh, the changes in the industry side of it, what do you expect might be different because Bad Batch is meant for streaming? How does that change things? I think you could more straight out market it directly to Star Wars fans of all ages, of all kinds. Again, not that this is the first Star Wars adult animated program. Uh, we're going to see uh, Echo's butt. You know, that's what. <laughs> no. um, but you don't you don't have to deal with you all should watch this. It's on Cartoon Network or Disney Kids. You all should watch this. No, it's just now it's just part. You're going to sign into Disney Plus. You're going to click on that Star Wars tab and it's and it's there right up there with everything else you love. Uh, and, and it's a different kind of you can market it different and reach fans quicker that might be resistant. Yeah. Yeah. I think the things for me is, as we've seen on streaming, it might affect the episode length a little bit. You know, different yeah. streaming shows kind of swing wildly into episodes being longer or shorter maybe this will be tight and because it's animation it and it's it's uh, you know between 24 to 26 minutes and that's it or however long it is i assume kind of a half hour ish uh so maybe that and that's just kind of an, an experience difference right when you sit down to watch an episode of clone wars and rebels it's gonna be that length pretty much um so maybe that but also is exactly as you're saying analyzing what is going to make it successful? Because Clone Wars and Rebels needed, you know, traditional ratings uh, and traditional merch sales. But does Bad Batch, it, you know, is it meant to be a certain number of seasons or does it live or die based on how many subscriptions it drives? Right. You know, does it matter if Star Wars fans who already have Disney Plus, we watch the living hell out of it, but mm -hmm. that particular show doesn't drive subscriptions. Right. Is that then mean trouble for bad batch you know how much is merch still a factor like obviously they're making some bad batch toys uh, but that's i think just part of the whole you know machinery of uh, of star wars selling action figures but is there going to be a specific push of like here's your uh your echo jammies <laughs> is that a part of the make or break success the same way merch was for other animated shows that had more uh traditional presentation uh, yeah, all the, yeah, because again, it's it, it's um, it's that thing of like uh, you know, it's only a small number is going to get it, even if the number the subscriptions are good, the general public still probably won't be seeing it. So you know, how much does this factor in, and how much how much can you pull people in with an animated program, uh, with clones? Some people might be like, I don't, know, didn't they already do that like ten years ago? I don't like that. <laughs> it's part of it. Yeah, again, I think you're allowed to be like, look at this cool the, the Fennec Shand and uh, someone died. Look at that. That person died. Come watch it, adults. <laughs> it's got Fennec Shand and someone died. That's our new copy for the Bad Batch. Yeah. Uh, moving on to we're going to get into some sort some of uh, Kyle's specific questions about the future of Star Wars animation. If uh, the various suspicions pan out to be true, uh, and as Kyle uh, said, the long-rumored hope-for Rebels sequel, uh, which I think by that people generally mean the the search for Ezra, if that does turn out to be the Ahsoka show in what had started in animation with uh, Ahsoka as is one of the triumphs of Star Wars animation, if that ends up being a live-action show, how will you feel about that? Look, I think I I, I think I'll be okay with it, um, and I see why if that opportunity. You know, that opportunity showing up, I can see why 
Dave would take it. I just know he's so, and I, and I think because I know he's so protective of the Ahsoka character, I trust him that this is the way that he feels is best to tell the story. Is it the only way, you know, did, did, it's not like Kathleen Kennedy said, look, uh, I talked to uncle Bob, you have a choice animated or live action. And he said live action. I don't necessarily think that's the case or not what I'm saying, but I always, I think I'm on record saying, I, I always would, I just would love to see that story. I do want to see that story. I'd love to see it finish the way it began, which is animated. And that genre, that medium, the different way of telling the story a little bit, the volume is probably getting it closer. You can probably get live action a little bit closer animation, but that's kind of how, not, not just that I need it all to be in one style or anything like that, but just, you know, that it, you, you know, you're an, you're an animation writer yourself too, man. It's a different style and you could yeah. do different things. So I wanted to see it carried out in that and it still might, who knows, still might, but I'm expecting it to be a little bit more in this live action and I'll be okay with it. And this isn't about uh, Rosario Dawson versus Ashley Eckstein or anything like that it isn't about that for me. It's just like, I want to see it all, uh, all play out on the same, uh, on the same uh, blank page. Yeah, I know. I can see that. Uh, I personally am excited to see uh, live action purgles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I want to see a photorealistic uh, whale rendered jumping into hyperspace. Um, yeah, I think there's a possibility for me that, yeah, we're, the suspicions are, are correct. And the Ahsoka series will be her tracking down Ezra's location. And then it kind of dovetails with that end scene in Rebels. Uh, and if you're not up on it, you know, Filoni said in an interview some shifty things about the timeline. So, you know, this stuff is up for interpretation right now that it is not locked in. Um, yeah. So it could be Ahsoka's journey to getting to that place, to her journey to the journey yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. for Ezra. Uh, but it just could be the show that we all, she could pick up live action Sabine in the second episode and they could be off to the races and we could be meeting live action Ezra and live action Thrawn as a, you know, a lot of people are, are suspecting. I think I'd be okay with that. I understand the desire to have a stylistic continuity in that story. I understand the fear that by taking these characters out of animation and moving them to live action, might be going all the way back to the beginning of our conversation and saying, well, they graduated to live action, which is of course more than animation. It's like, I really get those concerns, but I think ultimately for me, I just, I really like the flexibility that some part of star Wars is live, live action and some part is animated. And sometimes a character like Ahsoka will come from animation and turn into live action. And sometimes a character who is, an original Star Wars character like Obi-Wan Kenobi will have some of his most meaningful moments in animation. And I think about when I think about it that way, of just like these characters, these are, these are all stories told, you know, uh, fables from a long time ago. And these are, they're different ways they're told at different moments. I think that's the big positive to take out of it. Cause you just described Obi-Wan. I don't watch that episode of rebels with Obi-Wan and Maul and think any less of it. Right. You and I did the big, big breakdown. I, I love that lightsaber fight. Like I don't look at it any less. And I don't know if I would have 10 years prior, five years prior, beginning of rebels. I would have been like, Oh God, please. No, don't put that on an animated show. So I think that's a great point you made that it is, it could be, and look, we get all excited, right? It's so interesting. We're so excited. Bo-Katan. 
uh, oh my God, that's so great. And then the, the, the vice versa, Fennec Shand. Oh my God, she's going from live action animation. We're celebrating that. So I think for that to be celebrated more and it all kind of to be one big Star Wars soup, we, we will need more like like this where it, it starts one spot, ends in another and be okay with it. And, and uh, that's a great positive to take out of this potential situation, which by the way, it's all positive because it's all more Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. I haven't seen anybody say, look, the, look at the way they demoted Fennec Shand right. to put her in animation, right? So mm-hmm. I think then we can really interpret, you know, ah- Ahsoka possibly Ezra and Sabine Thrawn moving to live action is not, you know, a promotion. <laughs> uh, yeah. but just a different style of storytelling. Yeah, and, and and not to get too off on the side, but we face that. It, it's maybe case-by-case case basis, but the Bo-Katan one, I, I remember having some, I've had some conversations with some friends. It's like, well, I just, I like Katie Sackhoff, but it's a little weird. I'm like, well, that, but that's how the animated character talks. Oh, it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's what's different. And even Katie Sackhoff has said, you know, I had to really kind of, hone in on how I delivered that character in one format and take it to another. I'm paraphrasing her, but also remember solo and the, and the snarky tweets and conversations I had with friends who were just like, Maul came back. Well, yeah. And the clone wars are, Oh, but it was in a cartoon. Like, wow. Yeah. But it's all part of the same world. Right. So that's kind of what I would love uh, us to get to. And I'm even saying that to myself who might be, slightly shoulders slumped over, you know, Ahsoka continues that in in live action. I'm I'm so excited. I can't wait. You know what I mean? Like, I hope it all, we get to a different spot with that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And if if it is uh, about just different storytelling, some's live, some animated, um, there's, I think there's this concern that you and I have talked around a little bit, but I really want to dive in a big part of the history of animation is the fact that live action was, you know, too expensive. Or if you go back far enough in our lives, certain things, just Spider-Man couldn't flip like that in live action. Uh, Now, of course, the volume, the technology that they're developing and the demand for content for streaming is maybe changing some of those classic can't do that live action. So if it's going to exist, it's going to be animated. Are you okay with that big picture change? Uh, I think this is a little bit what Kyle's getting to. Do you feel like the future of animation in Star Wars is threatened by the fact that the volume has live actors standing on it, but then can kind of be animated in the background and it melds together? I, threatened? I don't think it's threatened, but it, or even endangered. But I think it's um, it's uh, it's the new bell of the ball, and every, all eyes in the in, in the room are turning and looking at what they can do in live action. Uh, Mandalorian was a giant success, um, without a doubt, not just creatively, but, uh, but the, the technical side, but also the reception and no doubt about that. And I think, I think that's why this explosion of, uh, and, and Disney plus is working, which, you know, they didn't know that would be the case. Right. Uh, so I think now we're at a point like, I, you know, a lot of these shows are like, well, John, what do you got? What do you, what do you, what do you think about Rangers new Republic? Got it. Make it figure like I, I i think it's just exciting bad batch bad and, and season seven clone wars was so well received too so but that was that was an old dog right yeah bad Batch might be so if there's a new if they launch a new animated series that's completely not even ahsoka in a continued adventure but uh ventures of luke skywalker and his new friends if they do that and it works then it, it's it's trends 
trends going that, you know, that's how trends work and sports, uh, uh, you know, one team wins the Super Bowl with that defense, 12 teams have that new defense the next season. Uh, and that's, and that's, that's the case right now. It, it, Kyle's right. The focus is on the volume. We're going to build three more and we're going to tell these live action stories. Two years from now, they could be like, oh, my God, we won an Emmy because of a uh, primetime animated Emmy because of uh, Luke Skywalker and the Jedi to students. And then two more shows will come up behind that. And, and it, hopefully it, it uh, we get a good mix. Yeah. Yeah. I think my hope is that if they're, you know, we obviously do have a lot of live action shows coming and they will be using the volume as well as, you know, real sets. And uh, I know the volume has real sets as well, but you know what I mean? So the volume... Uh, allows them to do a lot more, my hope would be that that would mean when a choice is being made about an animated series, it's really about what should be animated because it makes sense for the story, because it it feels right to capture a sense of animation and play and uh, really exploring the far corners of this bizarre galaxy that it'll make animated projects even more like, wow, this has got to be animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because be, and Floney was one of them. He's been in animation his whole life. He loves animation. Like, you know, I'm sure he's I'm sure he's gotten his back back pocket. One, I want to do one more big, great animated idea, and I hope that happens. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there is another animated thing on the horizon that they did announce on that Investor Day, and that is Star Wars Visions. It's been a little while since we've uh, chatted about it, and there was uh, so much news on Investor Day. I just pulled the description, so we're all on the same page of what we're talking about. Here's uh, the description for Star Wars Visions. Presenting all new creative takes on the galaxy far, far away, Star Wars Visions will be a series of animated short films celebrating Star Wars through the lens of the world's best anime creators. The anthology collection will bring 10 fantastic visions from several of the leading Japanese anime studios, offering a fresh and diverse cultural perspective to Star Wars. So what excites you, Ken, about Star Wars Visions? It's it's um, that mirror is casting a mirror back on uh, Star Wars after it, uh, you know, uh, it was influenced by a lot of, uh, you know, Japanese films and Kurosawa, those things we know about. A chance to kind of see how far the influence has gone where Star Wars is inspiring, you know, uh, um, these creators to 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 take from Star Wars as it took from Kurosawa, if, if that makes any sense. Sorry. Um you know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah. gonna be a fun. It's just kind of uh, not just analysis, but just uh, just a little uh, a peek into the the full far reach reach of Star Wars, and I'm excited for that. And then and to me, there's less story pressure on it. You know, it's gonna be like let's sit down and just kind of celebrate Star Wars from this perspective. Yeah, a- absolutely. I'm in total agreement on that. I'm still intrigued if it is new stories or if it is interpretations. Like, for example, you know, uh, Galaxy of Adventures is doing has done is like take a scene. Is this going to be an anime studio going like we are going to do the Obi Wan Jango Fett fight from Attack of the Clones, or is it like here's you know this uh, new smuggler you've never met in a ship you've never seen before? Like, we don't know yet. Uh, or at least it's not clear to me which of those it is. But I'm excited for either because they go. it goes towards one of the things I've been talking about of the themes, the ideas, the characters will probably all be there that are familiar to Star Wars. But the visual style and that sense of play of how do we tell that story, the thing that animation can really do, I think that will absolutely be right at the surface of this, of let's, you know, reimagine it in a different visual style. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then that is absolutely great for... Uh, 
the history of Star Wars to have had a lot of influences from uh, Japanese storytelling for Japanese storytellers to uh, to you know really put a stamp on Star Wars directly. Um, And then also just for what you and I've been talking about this whole episode of animation is an important part of Star Wars, and we've been talking a lot about what's how does how is it seen? Uh, What's the evolution of animation in uh, larger cultural? appreciation and obviously anime is a huge 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 part of that so to see anime itself like there's definitely been some anime inspired stuff in star wars but to have like just like no the straight up anime studios is really cool oh yeah absolutely um core level stuff it's exciting and and the fact that i yeah don't know i you know i i uh, it helps with my expectations just to like sit back and enjoy what's being presented to me yeah exactly so it's fun to not know sometimes so we're going to talk a little bit more here about what might be in the future. We looked at Bad Batch, which is coming. We looked at Star Wars Visions that is coming. But uh, to answer Kyle's question about if animation is going to continue, if it is going to uh, maybe clear that bar that we talked about with Clone Wars, where it's it's not just a fun one-off, it is vital to, to Star Wars. What kind of things do you want to see? Do you want another series? Do you want one-shot animated movies uh, that are either on Disney Plus or released theatrically? Do you want uh, book or comic adaptations as we've talked about? What What is your hope for the future of Star Wars animation? I really do want another series, uh, whether it's two seasons, three seasons. I don't know if we'll, the days of the seven-season Clone Wars are, are, are here uh, again, but uh, you know, I, I do want another series. I think it's valuable. and Bad Batch might be it. We might be on the cusp of something great, you know? Um, but I, I do want another series. I'm I'm intrigued by one shot movies too. I think that could work really well with Disney Plus. The book or comic adaptations I'm a little less interested in only because I just don't want to have those conversations of number one, which was better, or two, what was left out of the film or, or animated versions of a book. <laughs> I just don't want those conversations. But would I want to see Lost Stars, Leia, Princess Valderon? Sure. Uh, absolutely. Anything any one of those. Um, but original original new property or new new characters and stories within this property is what I would want to see. And one shot movies is very intriguing, but I do want another big series. I love those. Yeah. Yeah. I think my answer is the not particularly helpful. I want it all. Um, well, yeah, but you know, we got bad batch coming right now. I do want another series and I do have hopes that there will be another series, you know, Disney plus if it keeps rolling on well, is going to want content and you know, maybe there's a creator out there. I'm sure there are creators out there who are right now on a Zoom call going, here's the animated show I want to do for you, Lucasfilm. Um, but there's something about the one-off movies. Maybe it's because of, you know, the popularity of uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, of That would just be kind of fun, new, unexplored territory. People got so excited by the way the very end of The Clone Wars was structured because it felt, it's always been cinematic, but it was literally structured. Like you could right. watch these three together and it would really play like a movie even with the the you know the way they did the the intro um so i'd love to see that i'd be thrilled to see something original um if it's a brand new character or if it's a you know what we decided we do want to tell the uh origin of enfis nest her how how she got the mask from her mom and we're going to do it as a one-shot awesome animated film that'd be great uh but i also i feel i totally get your concern about the inevitable um Uh, conversations about but they left this nuance out uh, or they left this scene out but there's been so much great 
really great canon in Star Wars comics and books. And I think in the same way that Clone Wars and Rebels have these moments that are like, that is an indelible, important moment in Star Wars lore and history and canon and character development. There, there are some of those moments that are existing in books and comics, and I would just love them to get to a wider audience, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, Cobb Vanth is like that, too, where it's a character I love, and and it was told a little differently, slightly different on Mandalorian, but it was just exciting to see that name and, and that character out there for more people to take in. I do like that, yeah. So I, I could get behind you on that idea. Yeah, like the, the one that really jumps to my mind is that Rise of Kylo Ren. It's uh, four issues, and it's just, it's, I'm glad we have it. I, you know, it's uh, Charles Sewell. It's incredibly well written. It's a great art, but it's some, it's a major, major canon about Kylo and the state of Luke's Jedi school. In some ways, that's some of the most major sequel era canon. And it's a four issue comic book that comic readers have read. But, you know, it just excites me to imagine Disney Plus advertising like, you know, you've you've heard Luke and Kylo's perspective. You know, here's here's what really happened that horrible day. You know, here's here's, you know, how Kylo truly got the mask, you know, and yeah. advertise it to people who uh, like Star Wars, have Disney Plus, but aren't reading comic books or maybe even listening, <laughs> you know, to podcasts like ours, but would be really hooked by something like that to go like, ooh, a, a cool animated movie where I learn more about the truth of Kylo. Yeah, I'm all in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. From that again, from that vantage point, yeah, I'm all there for that and taking taking some of those big moments. So, yeah, we again smaller audience celebrating them. So could you uh, put it large? And then again, still less pressure to me if it's on Disney Plus and it's not in a theater and it's uh, you know believe me, there's still people going to talk and have pressure on it. But just to be like presenting here's as many parts of the Star Wars story. Here's one of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We have talked a lot about different animated uh, shows. We've talked a lot over the years about that uh, possibility era-wise of, ooh, uh, you know, Luke Skywalker, he's a, he's a pretty well-known, liked character. And then Mark Hamill, he's, he's got a little bit of a voice acting resume. Would it make sense to have a Luke Skywalker and a young Ben Solo uh, show or a Luke Skywalker and Laura Santeca? And I think we, we talk about that because it's, it's an era and a character that makes sense. Uh, to explore and it's something that takes advantage of the fact that uh, the voice is there but uh, then there's discussion about you know uh, the de-aging there's been a little bit of discussion about de-aging Mark Hamill lately for some reason yeah Um, so we've definitely talked about that and it has both story reasons and technical reasons but what are other things what are other eras or characters that you would like to see in animation because you think they benefit from being animated i think uh if if you want to jedi sith war stuff or old republic whatever you say you could do those as movies tv shows you you do whatever you like but there's something to me that's intriguing about this idea of going in because there's such fantasies within star wars the fantasy of star wars has its own fantasy the tales of the old republic like even the characters even when on rebels they talk about tar vizsla it's the like going to animation uh, uh, inside an animation. So, Oh yeah. 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 Playing, playing with that and just uh, allowing, you know, to, to crawl into that world with no limitations other than the, the budget of, of, of the animation. Uh, I, I could, I could see that more than say uh, resistance first order final, you know, you, we, you know, could, could you do with that what you did with the clone wars, which is f- filling out an era where some people didn't like part of the storytelling. 
yeah, you could, you could, but I, I think going all new and brand new and, and taking on that challenge, much like the high Republic with the publishing side, here's a brand new era. And you're going to see what some of it looks like. Cause we've got comic books, but it's mostly in the written word. Can you do that? You want old Republic, not say Revan, but you want old Republic or the Jedi formation. Let's go animated. Let's go big, epic, Gothic animation. Yeah, I think that's where my mind goes to of the big, the epic. You certainly can do a huge battle uh, in live action, but there's something about animation, the way that you can really, you can see the battle from space, from the ground, from the water, from like, you can just kind of go everywhere in this great way that there's something about battles. Uh, And obviously I always want it to be storytelling. I want to care about the people in the battle. I want to care about the stakes and the ideas. Uh, But there's something fascinating to me about like, seen in an animated form specifically like the jedi sith war or a specific jedi mandalorian war and like that that would make a great series that would benefit from being animated yeah yeah it'd be it'd be fun and yeah again a three-part movie big budget yeah cool but it'd be something fun there yeah no i mean i i have said that i would love it if the jedi sith war that led to the rule of two was you know uh, the next big trilogy but uh we've got a few years before that (laughs) so maybe animated would be fine too if animation did disappear from star wars which i don't think we're uh at risk of yet what would be lost ken i will be lost is just a new way to look at things and that forces you to look at it Uh, different styles uh thin lightsabers or you know, Macquarie-inspired designs, all those kind of things. It just animation has always said, um, "We're going to make you take away, whittle away what you thought you 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 could only see Star Wars in one way. We're going to present it to you a little different, and therefore you can maybe focus on things differently as well. And the themes and all that stuff is still there, but we're just going to expand the story for you in a different style." Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think all that stuff that's sort of internal to the the style of the storytelling. I also think what is lost is just what you and I instinctively started out with because of our age. When we think of animated, we go to Jammy's Saturday morning, uh, overly sugared cereal, you know, and I know people of different ages go to uh, after school. I go to that a little bit, uh, uh, but I was older or, you know, all the different ways that people have experienced animated things in their own life of like, well, this is what, this is the time of day I sat down with my iPad, you know? Um, that I think there is that we have a relationship just like we have a relationship in a sense memory of going to the movie theater and the smell of the movie theater and the, you know, the trailers and the anticipation. That's a part of the experience. I think there's something special about animated cartoons that regardless of the generation, we all have our specific memories that are almost these sense memories of sitting down to experience something animated. And I don't ever want to lose that. And, and, you know, again, acknowledging that it's different for everybody of different generations. I never want to lose that feeling that I still have when I sit down to watch Clone Wars of a little bit like it's Saturday morning and I'm getting a special treat. And I have that feeling because it's animated. Yeah, because, yeah, oddly enough, it's a it's part of the tradition, um, not just going to the theater, like I said, but that's part of it. Yeah, yeah. That's what I don't want any of that part. part of, I don't want to lose any parts of Star Wars. <laughs> keep all Star Wars limbs. I know it's hard for Star Wars to keep limbs, but keep all the limbs. Uh, any final uh, thoughts on Star Wars animation before we wrap up with a fun question? Ah, oh, fun to look at it. Fun to see again how just uh, in the last even four, five, six years, uh, I personally have changed. And I know I still again still have, and it's no problem. If you're listening, you're like, I never got into Rebels, never got into Clone Wars. 
a lot of people are trying and Clone Wars isn't necessarily easy to get into if you just start watching an, an order and there's some silly things up front and you know, it's all there, but I, I, those kind of conversations are far and uh, few and far between versus uh, 2014, uh, where more fans are just like, it's just part of the Star Wars story. It's a different way to tell it, like we keep talking about. It. I'm glad we get to celebrate that. Yeah, just a part of the tapestry. Ken, this is my final question for you. If yeah. you were animated, what features would you want the animators to focus on or exaggerate? Well, at one point it would have been my uh, butt chin, all right? My chiseled little cleft, all right? Um, <laughs> the, it's been years since it's been really seen because of uh, the beard. So now it would be like a good gray uh, o- o- animated Obi-Wan beard, uh, like in Clone Wars. Okay, nice, nice. Yeah, uh, I think for myself, I'm going to go with hair. Uh, in the pre-pandemic <laughs> days, I kept my hair uh, pretty short and in, 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 uh, in, uh, combed back. Uh, and now my, my hair has gone wild. <laughs> I haven't had a haircut in, uh, almost a year now. I'm getting down to a, a couple of weeks and it'll be a full year. And yeah, there's a, there's a lot to blow in the breeze, uh, when I go for a walk. So I think animators could focus on that. Look, I, I try to take positives out of dark situations and, uh, your hair and beard are the positives <laughs> I take from the last year. So. Uh, I, I I have uh, fun seeing myself in the mirror and being shocked between like, oh, yeah, no, I, I do look like I should be a, a Jedi in exile and or I'm going to start a grunge band. I don't know. But one yeah. of those two things has to happen with the way I look right. Yeah, that's been our big look at animation in Star Wars. Uh, thank you, Kyle, uh, for that great, thoughtful, heartfelt question uh, that uh, made us uh, consider the history and the future of animation in Star Wars. Ken, where can people find us? You can find us on Twitter at Four Center Pod. We're also on Instagram and YouTube. Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. Podcasts available in a lot of spots, including Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now Amazon Music. Uh, merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Four Center. You can always uh, support us directly at patreon.com slash Four Center. Always love new patrons. Get in that Discord and uh, have fun. Uh, hanging out with our community there. You can follow me at Kednapsock. Go to Kednapsock.com for information and all the things I'm doing, including having a lot of fun over there at the Good People Association. Go to GPA.fun, the GPA.fun for more. That is dot fun? Dot fun. It's real. That's- <laughs> that is fun. Dot fun is fun. Uh, for myself, you can find me Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. I know how to say my own name. Uh, you can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com for comedy albums, my other podcast, Obsessed, and shows. I've got a show on Valentine's Day, a fun comedy variety show I'm doing with my friends, The Double Clicks. So if you're interested, go check that out right on the homepage of my website, josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Opeepit, This has been Force Center. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.